Hi, everyone. Welcome to Faith, Coffee, and a Kid. This is Cherie, your host. First, I hope you are safe and as okay as you can be during this very difficult, sad, tragic, and ugly time in our country. Um, To be honest, I am at a loss for words. I have tried to create this podcast three times now, and I don't really know the right words to say. Um, I I do want to do what I can and offer some encouragement, um, some hope, you know, and some thoughts on how we can be better as a people and do better and ultimately reflect the love of Christ. Um, Nothing I can say is going to make racism disappear, the looting stop, or bring back all the black men and women who have been senselessly murdered throughout this nation's history. But I cling to the word of God and his sovereignty in all of this. And I know that people will say prayers are not enough. Um, We don't need any more prayers. But I believe that there are not enough prayers, Um, that there is not enough turning to God. Um, But there is turning to hatred and anger in abundance. And I believe that, yes, action is vital if anything is going to change, but that action needs to be fueled by truth. And that truth comes from knowing who we are in Christ and from understanding that knowledge of every person, regardless of race, social, or economic background, have value and are created and loved by God. If you've listened to some of my previous podcasts, then you know I'm teaching a virtual women's Bible study on breaking the chains of stinking thinking. Uh, it's based on Philippians 4.8. And Philippians 4.8, Paul tells us how we should think, what we should think about to have the peace of God that passes all understanding, right? Like in the midst of the chaos, there is this, this underlying peace that we have Um, for such a time as this. And I decided to dig a little bit deeper and I'm doing a comprehensive study of the book of Philippians. And there is so much wisdom and practical application that we can apply to our daily walk. Um, Along with, you know, Paul really emphasizes the importance of being in fellowship and partnership with one another to advance the gospel. I think that's what we need right now. We need partnership. We need community. We need the body of Christ to rise to the occasion and this spiritual warfare that we're engaged in. We cannot fight this battle with physical weapons. This is a spiritual battle, even if it doesn't appear to be. We need to position our minds to have the mindset of Christ. We need to think about others' interests and not our own. We need to serve one another in love and unity. And we cannot do that if our mind is in chains from the enemy. I'm not talking about a person. I'm talking about the spiritual forces that are work, that are working and that are manifesting. And Ephesians 6.12 says this very clearly. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authority, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And this, my friend, is what we are seeing right now. Interesting enough, when Paul wrote Philippians, he was in prison, but his mind and his commitment to do God's work were not in chains. 
Paul had freedom through Christ, even behind bars. He didn't allow injustice to stop him. Instead, he used it as an opportunity to advance the gospel. He mentions in chapter 1-3 that he became known throughout the whole imperial guard that his imprisonment was because he was in Christ. In my study, I found out that the guards would basically work in shifts. So Paul's message would be in rotation so that all the guards most likely heard why Paul was in prison. Um, And I, I found this really interesting because during... Paul's first um, trip to Philippi and and how he, um, you know, started to build the church there. He was thrown in prison with Silas. And when they began worshiping God, there was an earthquake and the jail doors opened and the guard obviously was very frightened because, you know, if these prisoners escaped, he probably was going to be killed. And Paul gave him consolation and said, no, that's not going to happen to you. And the guard took Paul to his house and Paul gave him the message. And not only did the guard believe, but his family believed. And I found this so powerful because in both circumstances, when Paul talks to the guards and when we talk about this message, this rotation of message, one is that there are two things that I got from this. One is that the message of Christ is radical. It changes hearts, it changes minds, and it is powerful. And the rotation of that is so important. We need to constantly be thinking about the word and the truth. If we're going to be instruments as a collective of the faith, we need to make sure that we're of one mind and one spirit. We live in a fallen and dark world, and I'm sorry if that sounds gloom and doom, but it is scripturally true. But we are called to be the light in this world, not because of our own deeds or we're just really nice people, but because we live in Christ. We have a higher citizenship, which is in heaven, and there are certain responsibilities that come with this. We are to be servants of our King. We are to serve His people. We are to be kind to his people. Paul tells us over and over again to stand firm. Stand firm regardless of the enemy. Be prepared as soldiers of Christ to have one accord, one spirit, one mind. See, Paul looked at the church as being partners in the gospel. We're called to share our life and contend together in the faith, standing side by side and working side by side together. Harmony is not found in individualism. I know that it is really popular to make it all about us, to look out for number one. I mean, we live in a selfie world where many times value is based off of the number of likes you receive, but individualism does not achieve God's purpose. I think that is one of the main reasons that we are seeing what we are seeing now. We are not looking after each other's interests. We stepped away from the collective body and started looking at each other as others. And when we do this, when we start to put each other in boxes, when we stereotype, when we assign narratives to people that are not true, we tend to dehumanize them. They don't, they're not real, and therefore the actions or our thoughts about them don't seem to have consequences, but it does. There is no love in that. Paul tells us that everything we should do and everything that we have do, that we will do should be done in love. 
See, love is active and our faith should be active. It was never meant to be set passive. There is consolation and reconciliation in love. It covers a multitude of sins, even the most unspeakable ones. 2 Corinthians 3.11 tells us, Finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice. Strive for full restoration. Encourage one another. Be of one mind. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. So what do we do? We need to loosen these chains that the enemy has placed on our minds so that we can start focusing on what the gospel tells us to be true. We need to adopt the same attitude of Christ, not just on Sunday, but on our daily walk. We need to value the same things that Christ valued and stand firm in that truth side by side and not look at our brothers and sisters as others, but as precious creations of God. We need to capture our thoughts more consciously. And when they do not match up or aren't in alignment with what should be our Christian character, we need to get rid of them. We need to check ourselves. We need to pray for a thought process that helps us to walk in a manner that's worthy of the gospel of Christ. Now, some may be listening to this and say, well, what is the action that we can do to stop what is happening? I'm not sure, but I know this. It starts with our thinking, which impacts our heart and our actions. This tragedy, and unfortunately, all that will follow because I believe that there will be more because history predicts it, but it's requiring us to examine our thoughts and how we are either part of the solution as a Christian or we're part of the problem. If we are thinking about what is just, right, pure, lovely, commendable, and noble, that is what our fruit will reflect, individually and as a body of believers. Tragedies and injustices like this is when we can shine our brightest. It is when we should look out for other people's interests because ultimately that is the interest of Christ. Why we're in this situation I think that we just stopped looking out for one another. I think we have put other things ahead of that. And if we really started looking at one another as extensions of Christ, there is no way that we could do the things that we do. I'm not going to lie. I am angry. I am sickened. I'm disgusted. I'm hurt. And my heart breaks for these victims and their families. My friends that have black sons have to think about their child being murdered because of the color of their skin. That's not right. That's not just. And we cannot sit around and be passive Christians. We cannot profess Christ and not look out for the interest of others. Christianity was never meant to be passive. Jesus wasn't passive. He sought out people. He sought to help those in need. He brought the gospel. He saved us. That was not passive. We should be on the front lines as protectors and defenders of life. You know, I see Christians marching for life and that's fine. Well, when does life stop mattering though? We should be protectors of life in the womb and outside too. And if we're not, then we are hypocrites. And I know that might gather some, uh, you know, some controversy there, but then we're hypocrites. Don't sit here and march and be pro-life and get out there and not 
be protectors of life outside the womb and not be protectors of life of people who are of a a different race than you. Maybe if we did this, maybe if we looked out for one another and were real protectors and defenders of life, then George Floyd would be alive. A black man could bird watch in Central Park and ask a simple request and not have 911 called. A black man could jog down the street and not be considered a thug and be shot. We would not have cities burning down or children wondering why their skin makes them so different and so hated. So yes, I will be one of those people who will say that what we do need to do is pray but we need to be instruments of Christ. Our faith needs to be active and tied into action, and we need to be suited up in the full armor of God and be aware of the schemes of the enemy and not fall into the landmine of hatred. So what can you do? Don't be silent. Start a dialogue. Reach out to those who are hurting. Silence is not an option when human lives are at stake. Address racism and don't ignore it. If you see it, you have a responsibility to speak out. Look out for other people's interests with Christ as your example. Be kind. Don't rush to judge. Examine if you're a part of the solution or a problem. Examine your own belief system. You know, what biases and prejudices do we have? Look inside yourself. See what you're holding. See what boxes you're putting people in. Hold your thoughts captive. Are you of one mind in terms of your faith? Teach what God values at home. It starts early. Mamas out there, you make a huge impact and influence on your family. I pray that you know that to the depth of your soul, that what you teach in your home and that holy place that you call home matters. You are raising young women and men to be, to be citizens of society and you have a responsibility to them to give them the truth. Don't, um, don't worry about, you know, sometimes things are uncomfortable and doing the uncomfortable thing, it's hard, but do it anyway. If it's right and if it's just, I beg you, do the uncomfortable. Most of all, do all of this with love Do all of this with unconditional love that is full of grace and mercy. The time has come to rise to the occasion. Let's not make excuses. Be the change that you demand and do it through your faith. Do it through your faith. Do it with the attitude of Christ. And let us not be passive about it. Let us be active in our faith. Thank you for listening. I pray that you are safe. I pray that you are standing firm in the truth. And I pray that you let your light shine because we need it. God bless.